lot to get to today. Man, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to uh, talk to, uh, talk about the uh, finale of Game of Thrones, of course. Big uh, big day on that. I officiated another wedding. Historic day in Chicago tomorrow. Uh, we are also going to talk to Margaret Brower from Gen Forward about a very interesting and perhaps troubling study that came out regarding millennials and their future in Chicago. So we'll get to that after 5 o'clock. After 6 o'clock, uh, John and Jesse are back. It is another installment of At the Breweries. What We will talk about uh, Illinois Craft Beer Week, which just wrapped up. We'll also uh, preview a couple other styles and, of course, take all your beer-related questions at 312-981-7200. When you do use that number, whether it's after 6 or prior to that, you will be talking to Cody. Oh, I got rained on today. Goff, he's the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you're nice to him, you get to me. Stay in touch with us via social media. It's Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. There you go. Uh, tomorrow is a historic day in Chicago. The first uh, African-American female mayor, openly gay female mayor, will be sworn in tomorrow. Lori Lightfoot takes office. Uh, if you watch the coverage of Rahm Emanuel exiting City Hall the other day, he exited to uh, rounds of applause and cheers from everybody. Uh, eight years with Mayor Emanuel, and now we move into the Lightfoot administration. And I'm wondering what uh, you know. There's there's a lot of talk about what they what Chicagoans expect from the new mayor. So we'll be it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say during her inaugural address tomorrow. I know uh, the mayor elect, as she still is today, was out making the rounds to a number of churches. She was at the back of the yards yesterday. Talking about ending violence, a lot of people calling, saying they hope the Lightfoot administration brings more focus to the neighborhoods, which is always important. This is, this is as most cities are, but Chicago is definitely a city of neighborhoods. And that can be a pro and it can also be a con. Whereas, you know, we do have a rich melting pot in this city, but those neighborhoods also have enabled the city to stay segregated to a certain degree. So... Hopefully, with the new mayor coming in, new blood, a new outlook on things, that will be remedied. Whether it's schools, whatever your main concern is, you know, hopefully the mayor can address some of it. Is everything going to get fixed? No, of course not. Uh, you know, she's coming into a, a a budgetary deficit, which the current administration said was $700 million. Uh, the mayor-elect says, no, it's much worse than that. You know, you've got you've got pensions, you've got budgets, you've got all kinds of things that need money, and we don't have it. So that is, I think, the new mayor's biggest challenge to walk in. And now, you know, her transition team has been working on this since the election. We'll see what she's going to do to kickstart all that. But listen, that's that's politics. That's a lot. That we've already made our decision for mayor. Now we have to wait and see how she governs. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens to that. What we can do is decide what's going to happen tonight on Game of Thrones. Cody, are you as excited as... Now, a lot of... I know there are people... For as many people that I know who are who cannot wait to watch Game of Thrones, there are people who've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Here is my... You know, and a lot of people... Oh, man. People are angry about this season. They have not been happy. Here is Here is how you can tell my opinion of this season. I have stayed awake for every minute of this season. Wow. Yep. So what does that tell you? This season is gripping. It, it's got my attention. Last week, uh, I don't think I'm spoiling it to say uh, the horrors of war were spotlighted during Game of Thrones. Is that a spoiler? Mm, no. No, <laughs> I don't think so because the entire series has been leading up to war. So I, I'm guessing me saying uh, saying that war was the focal point is not a spoiler. 
let's sidetrack for a minute and, and talk about spoilers. Because later in the program, if there's time, uh, I want to talk about uh, a film that I saw today. Finally, three weeks after this film opened, I went and saw I waited. I went and saw Endgame, Avengers Endgame today, having avoided spoilers for three weeks. I want to talk about the movie, but you and I were talking about this beforehand, and I said, is it too soon to discuss specifics about the movie? Because it's been, in one way, it's only been three weeks, but in another way, it's been three weeks. Over three weeks, actually. Three weeks and a couple days. Because it opened on a Friday. So I did some internet research. According to, according to the internet, which we all know is nothing if not a font of reliable information. Two to three weeks seem to be the window for discussing film and television. So if you haven't, television was actually shorter. Television was one to two. Film was two to three. So I'm wondering if if when we do get to discuss uh, Endgame and its effect on me and I believe a generation of human beings, how much how much we can go? What where do you fall on the? If I say, listen, we're going to talk about this, and I may give out uh, crucial plot points three weeks after, is that enough of a warning? No. No, even after three weeks? It's because of the medium of radio. There's people driving around in their cars, and they're flipping around stations. Right, I don't want them to turn off the, uh, the station or well, the program. But, but people that aren't listening right now. They, you don't want somebody to land on WGN for five seconds while you say a phrase... X thing happens, right? And then that's that's a gotcha. Long, so how long do we have to wait? But the the thing is, there are a lot of people that uh, don't have situations where they can easily see movies, and I I have a lot of friends who are new parents, and that's the number one thing. That's oh, the number. Sure, finding a babysitter is a nightmare. Every new dad or new every new dad of all my whole group of high school friends I've known my whole life. The one thing where I say, what's the biggest change since you had a kid? Every single one of them has said, you can't go to movies. You can't go to the movie theater. No, because you have to find out. You One, you have to trust that your child will not be uh, eaten by a babysitter. <laughs> you have to find a babysitter who, who, you know, the reviews say they don't eat babies. And then you have to pay them. So now, on top of the unbelievable box office price of a movie... And then, you know, you're out on it. You just you had a baby. You, you want to treat your uh, your wife your, your wife well. You want to buy her that big popcorn. Now you're dropping 100 bills at the movie theater. And then you got to come home and pay somebody else to, you know, for the privilege of them watching your child while you're panicking the whole time you're at the movie that you're going to get a call that something's, you know, that the baby cried or, you know, got a pimple. And, you know, that's going to you have to flee the theater. So, yeah, I understand that. So when do so it's never okay then to talk about a movie? I don't know. What, I mean, what's the window? It, That's and, the thing. Look, and a lot of people are already texting in saying, "No, three weeks for a movie is absolutely enough. Talk away." And I, I, I get it. Like again, but that comes from the vast, maybe the vast, or just the majority of us who have the ability and the money and the time and the the means to go see the movie in a three week period. It does. That is a lot. That is a long time. It to, seems like to a long us. Time. To it seems well, like a long I made, time because but... I, I had to make an effort to avoid any sort of spoilers. Yeah, I didn't read any uh, magazine articles, which are uh, you know exactly paper printed paper things if, or internet articles. If you said four weeks, I think I'd be fine. So and like next week, I could talk. We about could it. do a web exclusive podcast, but again, that's the kind of thing that you seek out specifically. Like you know, mm. I'm fine. 
tweeting about it. Yeah, yeah. Even, but even if you look at tweets and Facebook posts now, people will still say spoilers ahead. Yeah. So they'll still tag it. But with radio, you can't right. do so, it so really. People are people now. Some of the texters disagreeing with you. This is three I, weeks for a movie is enough. And I absolutely understand for most mediums, but the medium of radio, right. I think we have a responsibility to serve listeners of all walks of life, and I think that often that includes people uh, that are um, not right. in the same position as so us. So I, I will endeavor to then make my uh, discussion spoiler-free. As spoiler-free as possible. I, yeah, I think I think, I think if you mention that, not if you're not specific in mentioning characters who may or may not survive, but mention that characters may or may not survive, you know, if you say some main characters in a movie... Blah blah blah. I don't. Is that a spoiler? Do nah. people expect all main characters to always survive movies like this? Nah. Especially when the title is Endgame. <laughs> do we? Do we think? <laughs> no. No, I get it. You know, a text or just a text just came in. Most movies aren't even in theaters for four weeks. Choices, consequences, go or risk a spoiler. Again, some people don't have the choice. No, they I literally don't I'm have. I'm not the judging you, people. I know I, you're I'm not, not judging but... people who haven't been to the movie. No, but there's. I, I, Here's why I didn't go the first week, and you know I'm a huge fan. I didn't go the first week because I didn't have to want to deal with those first week crowds. What? I, first of all, you know the only reason I chase the almighty dollar, the only reason I want a stack of dead presidents is so I never have to leave the house. If I could, or I leave the house to Elvis-like rent out a theater to myself. I despise seeing movies at the theater because... (laughs) <laughs> the public is not thoughtful of other people around them. This doesn't spoil anything to say there was there were three people at the theater today who could not stop unwrapping things. The entire now end game. This is not a spoiler. Three hours long. I don't know what they needed to unwrap for three hours, <laughs> but they were unwrapping. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they were doing. But so. And then there was somebody who brought a toddler mm. to a three-hour movie. Uh, I think to the chagrin of the toddler's own father. <laughs> I will not spoil Endgame. I have six other movies to watch in preparation. So that's I another can't... good point. That they, there are actually a lot of people that wanted to watch it right Why? away, but they've but got the like first five movie, movies to catch up Iron on. Iron Man came out 12 years ago. If you're not up to date on the Marvel comic universe, I... Dude, there's I can't, 20, I can't make up for a, 22 movies. You've had 12 years. You've not had 12, Captain Marvel came out like a month before this. Captain Marvel came out a while ago. The, it came out like a month before Endgame. Okay. It's not been out for more I than two months. I saw Captain Marvel a couple weeks ago in preparation for Endgame. Yeah, well, you were the lucky one. But everything else you could get, you could get at Redbox for a dollar. You can get it on demand. You can see a lot of them just on your basic cable. Dude, it is a time commitment to sit down for a two and a half hour Marvel movie. I, Times twenty two. Right, but who waited till the last? Some minute people went, got into I, it late. I'll tell you something. I am waiting till the entire cadet of films is completed. Then I'm going to sit down and watch them all at once. It's like it, it's not like somebody who hasn't seen The Godfather and sat down to watch three. If you've waited twenty two minutes, look, maybe you didn't care about Marvel, and then six years into it, you started dating somebody that shows you Doctor Strange, and then you go, "Oh man, Marvel movies are cool." Now I gotta catch up, and then you got a few years, sure, but man, that's a lot of weekends. Like you're not gonna watch a Marvel movie every weekend for like two years. It's a lot. If you want to get caught up, every month, a lot month of people. 
There's strong opinions on this. I like it. There's a lot of people very, a lot of people very upset. And I see every side. I'm just saying that I think we should be we should try to be considerate oh because goodness. there's a lot that goes into this. It's not just like, oh yeah, go out and see the movie, you know? There's seasons to catch up on. All right. Uh Game of Thrones, people don't kill some people don't care, which is I, oh, I know that. See, because that's the thing. Every time there's anything in pop culture, we go, everybody is watching it. Everybody's not watching it. You know what we are going to talk about, though? Millennials and their desire to flee the city. A lot of a very interesting study came out uh, from Jen Forward. We're going to talk to Margaret Brower, one of the authors of that study, on the other side of the news. And then uh, we will revisit some of this. And I'll, I'll just tell you how uh, what happened today. And uh, then we'll have at the breweries. All of that coming up after 5 o'clock. Oh, speaking of Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones After Dark with Roe and Roper and Lapka here at Live right after the series finale tonight at 10 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Marquette Bank. 5 o'clock, here's Pam Jones. Big day in Chicago tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier, and you know this already, a new mayor being sworn in. Uh, so we think a lot about Chicago and we hear what people oh we hear people's opinions all the time about the city. What do you know, people who've been here a long time, people who move in. Well, what about the people who are just starting out? People who are new to their careers, they're trying to make a home, they're trying to start a life in this city, the millennials that get teased a lot for their beliefs and uh, their perceived entitlement and all the other things that we blame millennials for. But listen, let's be honest, they're the people who are going to carry this city into the next generation. So very exciting study just came out from Gen Forward, and it is about millennials and what they think of the city. And there are some, uh, some results that I think most of us would say, yeah, we probably figured that was the way it was going to go. And some others that are very shocking. Margaret Brower is one of the authors of this study. She is a Ph.D. student at the Department of Political Science at the University of Chicago. She's here with me now. Margaret, thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us about Gen Forward. Where did where did it start? What uh, how did it come to be? What is it? Yeah. So Gen Forward is an amazing resource at the University of Chicago. It was founded by Dr. Kathy Cohen, and it actually is a project that provides national data on millennials. Okay. And it's one of the very few resources we have that provides public opinion data for millennials as a group, but also broken down by um, racial minorities. So it has oversamples of African Americans, Asian Americans, and Latinx. Uh, so why is this group, why is it important for us to have the information from millennials? Why does their opinion matter? Yeah, I mean, millennials are one of the largest diverse generations in this nation, and they hold actually a lot of political and consumer power. Um, and they're also our future, right? They're the yeah. people who are going to be our future. So millennials are extremely important. And we're able to provide interesting information both about them nationally, but also with the Chicago data. So we also yeah. can provide some information about Chicago and millennials. What was interesting is I was reading the, the summary of the study, uh, the different areas that you cover. You cover race, education, uh, the racial economy, gentrification and displacement, all of these things. Was there one common thread that you noticed throughout all these different categories? Um, maybe not a common thread, but I will say a shocking finding, which okay. was that one third of the young people we spoke to reported that they want to leave the city. Uh, was there were there one or two main reasons for that, or were there so many reasons that it just became a, they just want to go? 
So I think the most important takeaway we found from that statistic is that young people are leaving the city for different reasons based on their racial identity. So um, white young adults are leaving the city for new opportunities. They want to advance their careers for the most part, experience more mobility. Um, But young adults of color, particularly African-Americans and Latinx adults, uh, are being pushed out of the city. Now, when you say leaving the city, are they are they just going to the surrounding Collar counties or farther in Cook County, or are they leaving the state altogether? We find that most say they're leaving the state altogether. Okay. And for young people of color, some of them are going south. Okay. Yeah, one person in particular we interviewed in Inglewood said uh, his family was able to get a job in a week in Alabama, and he was searching for jobs in Chicago for months with a college degree. Wow, and, and that seems to go against what the conventional thinking would be, that you know it's going to be harder to find jobs in the South. They're not going to pay as well as jobs up here. I understand a lot of people leaving Illinois. With that being said, how does the millennial generation, their desire to leave not only the city but the state, how does that compare to the, the older uh, the generation just above them? Gen, you know, what was, who was right above the millennials? I don't know. Baby boomers. Baby boomer generation. Gen X? Or are they behind? All right. So, yeah, like baby boomers. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we don't compare them, so I I wouldn't be able to compare the generations. All I can say is that, uh, especially with our Chicago-specific study, uh, we can say millennials are unique, right? They're they're uniquely experiencing the city in a way that matches onto their age, right? They're coming into new careers, new jobs, new trying to find some kind of financial independence. Many of them have, you know, student loan debt. Uh, so they're really unique. They need a city that's going to give them the support and resources they need right. to thrive because they're in that part of adulthood that is, you know, very um, dependent on their other situations and other access to resources. So obviously they're leaving. One of the reasons is for jobs. So economics. Mm-hmm. What was as we'll go into that. Let's go into that area of the study then. Sure. So we're ta- you're talking to local millennials about the economics of this city. What did they what did they find favorable? And on the flip side, then what what was the biggest problem that they said this is this is one of the reasons that we were deciding to go? Yeah. Um, so we found that for African Americans that we spoke to, racial discrimination was huge. They felt like they were being surveilled by people who hired them, and they felt like it was really difficult for them to get a job based on their racial identity. Is this at all levels of professions and and education, or is this? Was this one particular segment of that group? It affected people from a low-income background looking at service industry jobs the most, okay. but people across educational background uh, reported that same thing. One interesting thing we found, though, about the economy in Chicago is that young people are being impacted by it so differently based on their location. Okay. So, for example, we found in Pilsen, the Latinx people we talked to didn't report instances of racial discrimination that often in the job um, okay. force. And one reason for that is because their community offers a lot of jobs with people who own businesses who are Latinx, right? Okay. So less discrimination, sure. easy access. But a lot of these jobs don't have retirement benefits. Right. They're not necessarily jobs you can use to move ahead in a particular type of career. So we found like that's a different type of discrimination young people are are, are facing. Yeah. They're easy access to jobs, but they can't move out of them necessarily. And then does that create more of an insular community that that is going to perpetuate that problem? 
yeah, it, it kind of seems like that is what happens. And it's great, right? You you have access to jobs. Sure, yeah, there, that's there terrific. There are young people in Inglewood who said, like, I would like access to a job. Yes. But we have to think about, you know, how these Long economies term. are reproducing, right, some of yeah. these inequalities and have their own issues with thinking about access and mobility in yeah. the city. So access to jobs being one of the one of the biggest issues yeah. to, that people are just saying, we, we got to go. And when when they're deciding to go, does it and they're and access to jobs is the reason. Do they care that maybe salaries won't equal what they could make here? They just they just want to go where they can work. It doesn't matter if maybe they're making less. As you said, some people moving down south, they may make less, but at least they're working. Well, one thing we find that especially young adults of color, they love the city of Chicago. They're yeah. invested in the city and they want to stay and right. make it better. Uh, so for them, it's about just getting a decent paying job. Yeah. Um, and there are different levels, right, of education sure. and, and career desires. But we find that like, if Chicago provides them with a decent job, decent benefits, an ability to kind of move up, like these people not only want to stay in Chicago, they are so invested. They want to, you know, really build Chicago in, in better ways, right? And that's huge. Yeah. Well, let's we will get into that okay. some of their suggestions about what they think, you know, how right. that how that can be accomplished. And since you brought up education, we're going to talk yeah. about the education portion of the survey as well. Sure. Uh, you can always read all about this at genforwardsurvey.com. Margaret Brower is my my guest, she is one of the authors of the survey. We'll do more with Margaret on the other side. 720 WGN. We are talking about millennials, what they think, what they think about the city, and the shocking uh, result of a study that one-third of them are saying, we, we got to leave not only Chicago, but the state of Illinois. Margaret Brower is my guest. She is uh, one of the authors of the new study from Gen Forward. You can go to genforwardsurvey.com to uh, read the whole thing and find out. We were talking about education right before we left and, and about how economic discrimination, economic issues went on all levels of education. So what, what did you find with, with regards to millennials and education? But maybe I'll highlight maybe one of the more interesting yes. findings, which is that uh, education disparities happen at a very early age in Chicago. That's mm. not the surprising finding. The surprising, <laughs> really? What? No, I know. Hold on. The surprising finding is that when you ask young adults across racial race, race and ethnicity, uh, they all say that the failed education system is one way that they evaluate politicians in the city. Ah, so okay. a lot of them pointed to the closed schools on the mm -hmm. west and south sides of Chicago, the poorly distributed resources across education systems as a failure of politicians. And so they, they make yeah. that connection really strongly, which which I was actually surprised to see. Yeah, because you would. Well, I, I it surprises me a little but not too much, because who else are you going to blame? If you're if you yeah. see in your neighborhood, a few schools have closed and they sit there boarded up and you're like somebody's. Who do we blame? Well, you yeah. got to blame the people in charge. And that's the politicians, because the it, it all. So in a lot of people's minds, it. Top down from the mayor. So the right. mayor and then the city council, that's who's that's who's to blame. And they know. And the question we ask them is we ask them, do you think politicians in this city care about young people and young adults interests? And they say, no, look at our no. education system. So they yeah. immediately point to the failed education system as right. a signal. Right. The politicians don't care about young adults. Well, that would I mean, that makes sense because that's the only that's the first instance of young people being exposed to their government is going to public schools. Yeah. And if the government is falling down on that job, they don't care what happens to us. And then as you get older and you hear 
you know, so-and-so's been granted this contract. Well, they care about people with money, but what about the six-year-old who can't go to school now because, you know, oh, there's no funds for that. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, so let's talk about this because I mentioned it to you off there. The, the millennials have gripes, mm-hmm. and they have legitimate gripes, but mo- a lot of their gripes, their older siblings, their parents, their grandparents, had the exact same gripes. Mm-hmm. This, a lot of things in this city and across this country don't change. We've got a new mayor coming in tomorrow that was voted in to bring about change, you know, a change for millennials, a change for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think what do you think the effect will be on these young people that you surveyed and what do you think the effect will be going forward for this city and can the new mayor stop the tide of people, young people who you said before are very invested in this city, they right. love this city, they want to stay, but the results of this survey are giving them no choice but to take off. Yeah. Oh, there's so much there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I will say is this. You know, this this is a historical moment, right? Yeah, Chicago's sure. first black woman mayor. Yes. Uh, and there are a lot of possibilities that are right now on the table. And all that's standing in between this historical moment transforming the city and it just being a moment right. that passes us by, we would argue is... The extent to which young adults are really centered and how yes. policy making happens, who is included, right? When we think about policies mm-hmm. and changes in our city, um, that is all going to really be dependent on how we think about including young people in this process, um, which is just really, really huge. What about the what about the stats that young people in these last elections? They want to be included, which they should be. Mm-hmm. They want policy to be directed toward them, which it should be. But they're not voting. How do we how do we reconcile that to say, OK, millennials, you want your seat at the table. We, we're saving you a chair, but yeah. you're not doing anything to get there. I'd say two things to that. One, I'd push back a little bit that's, uh, that's in the fine. midterms. You know, young people really turned out. They were the, right. the group that turned out at the higher rate um, in comparison to other groups. But uh, I'd also say that we need to think about political participation in a much broader way. So one thing we learned in speaking to young adults is that they're participating in politics at all different levels. Um, they are reaching out to their aldermen. They are mm-hmm. reaching out to the mayor. They are practi- They are taking. They are participating in these local community organizations to improve their neighborhoods. They're- and that, that's all well and good. That's yeah. that's perfect. As and most citizens, I wish more citizens did that. But the bottom line is to get your voice in. You have to get your candidates in, and the only way to do that is to vote. That's true to get the mayoral candidate. That's true. Uh, I'd argue millennials also voted, but yeah, I think uh, it's... <laughs> yes, they did vote, but not not to the numbers that you would hope. And, and that, listen, sure. we could say that about every group. I'm not, I'm not singling them out, but sure. th- since we're talking about the millennials, yeah, I'll single them out for this conversation. But I think um, because of these other political activities that they engage in, there's, there's lots of, now that we have a new mayoral candidate, we mm-hmm. should think about all these other right. political pathways yes. to getting them involved right in this process, many of the pathways in which they're already participating okay. in. So, yeah. But now, do you... You know, we were talking about this. This mayor has all the all the credentials of being a change candidate, but being a mayor who is not in the system, and yet she is in the system. Yeah. Um, does that does that bode well? You think for young people coming in, uh, you know, getting their policies heard, getting their voices uh, in there, or do you think it's going to be more of the same? Obviously, we're all hopeful that sure. it changes, but 
based on based on your studies, based on things like that. Yeah. So I would say if the if the mayor upholds the same types of um, policies when it comes to the you know resources for police training. Um, thinking about public health resources in the city, the ways in which our education system is structured, then we're just going to have the same Chicago, right? right. Um, and I really do think the only way to have a truly transformative impact is not just to say we're going to improve these other things that may, past mayors haven't looked at, but I really think there needs to be two things. One, really a formal opportunity for young people to come to the table and have any kind of impact on policy and the way that she's governing the city. But two, I think political accountability is going to be really huge. Like mm -hmm. we need to think about how do we hold our new mayor politically accountable to young people, to young people of color in the city to make sure that these initiatives, these new shiny initiatives right. are actually changing the city in the ways that we want it to change. Let's go back to the first point that you made. Sure. How how do you propose then that the millennials get their seat at the table and get their policy voice heard? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of activist organizations right now in Chicago, and they're they're advocating for this already. Um, some of them are doing it through protesting, right? Okay, Trying right. To, to do some contentious politics, yep. which is good. Um, but there are other organizations, like, for example, Chicago Votes, that's really trying to create some seats at the table for advising our new mayor um, and just offering just new um, programs and initiatives for young people. So there are different ways. Yeah. One is putting pressure on our mayor, right? Sure, of course. Which is important. And the other is actually creating some, you know, advisory boards or uh, some kind of mechanism that young people can come and actually voice their concerns, interests, and ideas. Before I let you go, I want to, one of the knocks nationally on Chicago is that we are the most violent city, depending on what politician is speaking, we are the most violent city ever yeah. in the history of man. Mm -hmm. And that we know that part is not true. But where do millennials, what is their opinion of this city? And, and again, I'm going to guess that it is based on where in this city those millennials who you talk to live. You know, I'm so glad you asked that because we asked that question to them too because we were curious about how young people were thinking about violence in yeah. the city. And I would say that they all talked about violence. Right. Um, and I'd say probably the most interesting and important takeaway is that young people are tired of us really one talking about violence in a one-dimensional way. When we talk about violence, we think about gun violence, right. and then we close the door, we're done. Um, <laughs> But young people are experiencing a whole host of different types of violence in different cities or different areas of the city. And like, for example, like gender, domestic, sexual violence comes up as like a key thing, okay. specifically even uh, affecting cis and transgender women. And so what our young people want us to think about is one, violence is coming in all different types of ways. And if we're yeah. only looking at gun violence, we're really doing a disservice to people who are experiencing this kind of trauma. Right. But two, and maybe more importantly, they're saying, okay, yeah, violence is a thing in the city, but we need some better resources here, some mental health services, some public health services that are really paying attention to the ways in which this is now affecting young people. So it would be easy to say, or for me to ask, well, what's the top thing that millennials want to see done? But Having gone through this, it doesn't seem that one area outweighs another. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think I think we would want people to take from this report that you need to think about issues in the city according to place and also by race, ethnicity, and income. And that people are experiencing different issues in the city depending on where they are. But that doesn't make these issues not important. Right. It just means we need to think 
in a more nuanced ways about how to address these issues so that all young adults can thrive in the city, not just a select few. So it seems it seems like the young the young adults call is the same as some of the older adults who are calling for the new administration to focus on neighborhoods, because a lot of these a lot of the issues from violence to jobs to education is a neighborhood issue even more so than it is a city issue as a whole. So I think, would that be accurate that the young people are, you know, they're on the same page as some of the older people going, listen, talk about the neighborhoods. Look at the neighborhoods. That's where we have to start. Yeah, I think that's right. I think a lot is happening in these neighborhoods. And we should also think about the connections between them, right? Certain neighborhoods are experiencing the same issues. And so we should be able to think about across the city as well. But yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. It's a fascinating study. Margaret Brower is my guest. She is one of the authors of this new Gen Forward study. You can go to genforwardsurvey.com to read all about it. If you know a millennial, ask them about some of this. Now, they're not, you know, they're not just going out clubbing. They actually have thoughts about what can make the city better. Margaret, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. Let's do this. Then it's news time, 720 WGN. I'm not. I'm going to try not to spoil anything because we had a lot of people saying, "Oh, wait, uh, you know, three weeks may not be enough." Uh, a lot of people saying three weeks is enough. Cody uh, speaking on behalf of new parents everywhere. Who listen? Here's the thing: when I was a new parent, and granted, it was decades ago, when I was a new parent, I understood there were things that were going to happen in pop culture that, as a new parent, I was going to have nothing to do with. But um, I will try to be sensitive. If I now, Cody, you will be my. Uh, you will be the arbiter of all things spoil okay so if i start to if i start to <laughs> if i start to delve into spoiling uh you can stop me but here's the main here's the question i want to ask and this is this is uh current movie notwithstanding a movie that really moved you for whatever reason and the reason i'm asking that is because today as i mentioned at the beginning of the show i saw avengers endgame and it really it really affected me to the point where now I've I've teared up at wedding or at weddings at <laughs> at movies and things before because as we all know if you've listened to this program for any amount of time I am emotionally fragile I'm an emotional train wreck all the time okay so that being said you know there's there's a good chance that I'm going to tear up because I'm a blubbering idiot I don't remember the last time at a movie I had legit tears falling off my face onto my shirt now I was not racked with sobs. But there was a lot there was a lot going on from pretty much the beginning of the movie throughout the three hours to the end of Endgame. Uh, I wasn't making any sound. And yet my wife, who knew because she knows my affinity for Marvel, the Marvel comics and the Marvel movies, uh, my wife knew that there would be some problems. So she kept uh, she kept looking over at me. Which, if you're if you're anybody who is crying, you don't you don't want uh, somebody looking at you, you don't want somebody gawking at you while you're crying. But I can't turn to her in the middle of the movie and say, uh, "Turn around, stop looking at me." First of all, you saw the movie, Cody. Did you enjoy Avengers Endgame? Loved it. It was great. It was, I believe, without any spoiler, it was a a perfect way to end what has been the Marvel universe since Iron Man. So over the last twelve years. Marvel has created this universe, uh, and they've they've done a wonderful job. You may not have liked all the movies, maybe you haven't seen any of the movies, but if you are a fan of Marvel comics and and the films, I thought this was a great ending for this decade long chunk of history. Um, and I started to wonder why you know 
why was I so emotionally uh, affected by this movie? Because, yeah, there were characters that I've loved since I was a kid that were affected. They were affected at the uh, during Infinity War, which can I spoil Infinity War? Can I say something about Infinity War, which came sp- out a year ago? You can't spoil Iron Man. I can't. <laughs> no one's allowed to know it was Robert Downey da, blank. Da, da, da. He actually said in, in Endgame, I, I loved it. That I am good. Iron Man. That was so good. I am Iron Man. That was yeah, that was the are. best line in the movie. Um, I choked up at Avengers Assemble. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because again, here's the thing. I grew up reading Marvel Comics. Now, when I got to a certain age, I stopped reading Marvel Comics. But as a child, I always dreamed that there would be movies that would bring my comic book heroes to life. And back in the 70s and 80s, there were not good comic book movies there were really really horrible ones and there was the spider-man cartoon and that kind of thing but there wasn't so back back when the first spider-man movie came out with toby Maguire, for me that was a big deal and i loved it and i watched i i went to see all three of those movies and those were sony and then marvel got into the act with iron man and it was like oh my god everything i dreamed of as a kid was coming to life. And it was, it, is it the biggest th- thing for me or for any of us who go to, no, of course not. But it can be a part of entertainment and a part of escapism. And it touches, it touches a part of you that maybe you thought was gone. And it also, this is what I, this is what I came to realize today. It also gave me another thing that I could connect with my daughter to, that I could expose her to this. And she could see that, Oh, yeah, you know, dad's a grown-up. He does grown-up things, but he still likes some things that he did when he was a kid. And it's okay to keep those things alive and to keep to make that part of your life as you go forward. And so I was able to share that with her, and I was able to introduce her to all these characters and to this universe and to the, the you know, the heroes who weren't just, like Superman, who were all about truth and justice, about characters who had flaws and and argued with each other, and it, it was a whole thing. So we could watch those together, and I brought my wife into the universe too, and she was, you know, she was there with me today, and she was at. We took her to the first Iron Man for Mother's Day. That was it. Opened on Mother's Day weekend, and that was her Mother's Day thing. She was like, because she knew I was excited about it. She knew Molly wanted to see it, and she was like, "All right, I'll go see Iron Man." And she went begrudgingly, and she left the theater like, oh, my God, that was great. And so she was in. So it was something that our family could share, and we would look forward to it. And and so today, I'm watching this film, and it, and it, it was building up as I knew it would. And like I said, I had avoided spoilers. So you got to be an idiot to think, well, some characters are not going to be effective positively, and some are going to be effective negatively, and... Uh, if you saw Infinity War, you knew that that was the case. Spoiler? No spoiler there? Is that okay? <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm not going to give out particulars. But there were there were things that really, really got to me. And, you know, there were... And, and I every time I thought I was done crying, something else would happen. And I would cry. And it would just... It, and I left feeling like, I, I don't remember the last time I left a movie feeling like that. And I don't know if it, you know, if I really need to get therapy. 
I don't need. <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah, that would probably be the the best guess. But to as I as I thought more about it, it was because it it marked an end to something that has been with me my whole life that I've shared with my family for the last decade plus, and now it was done. And I said this to you before. I said, I don't know now. You know, I'll probably see the new Spider-Man movie, but I might wait till it comes on on demand. I may not rush out to the theaters. This may have been the last one that I said, I have to go. I have to go see this in the theater. You know, which I've done for, what did you say, 22? I think 22 films, yeah. I saw most of them at the theater. Same. You know, uh, a couple I've watched on a plane, which was great to catch up on, like, uh, um, oh, my gosh. No, Ant-Man? Uh, no, Ant-Man and, the, Ant-Man and the Wasp I saw on demand. Ant-Man I saw at the theater. Uh, the uh, I want to say Doctor Who, but that's not right. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange I saw on a plane, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I watched on a plane. Nice. Because I was like, ooh, I can catch up. But most of the most of the others I've seen at the theater. And so it was an end for a lot of things. And, and it hit me harder than I ever expected it to hit me, which was weird. And we had driven separately because I came, I left the theater and came right here. And Debbie was going the opposite way to go home. And she was laughing at me. She's like, calm down. It's, you know it's all make-believe. And I'm like, of course I know it's all make-believe. <laughs> what? It's make-believe? You mean Spider-Man's not going to come swinging by? Well, no, duh. He's from New York. They're all from New York. They're, nobody's from. None of the superheroes are from here. Sure. You know, Black Panther's not coming here to get a sandwich. Mm-mm. He's going back to Wakanda. There, you know. Oh, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it may or may not be. You know. Um, but yeah. So that was that was why it. Uh, when I called you and told you I was on my way and that I was emotionally drained. That's right. why it all. Everything just kind of it all. It was such a culmination of so many things wrapped into a movie. And I know in the whole scheme of our lives, a movie is nothing, you know, when you compare it to everything else that has happened. But I think when you invest all those years and all those hours and all that time and money into following this universe, it it can hit you like that. So it was very strange. It's what Marvel has done is recreate the way movie making happens right i mean really like Mm -hmm. um i've i've read a couple pieces on how the that that feeling of shared euphoria the shared catharsis that you experience with other people when you when you uh go to a concert together uh or or go to a movie um that that feeling it's one thing if you walk into a movie theater and you know you're in a room full of people that are also interested in seeing this movie. Right. But it's another thing when you walk into a movie theater and you know that every single person in that room has spent a decade immersed in this yes. thing and you are all invested in what's going to happen. It's all built to this point. Yeah. And it was I saw I saw a kid might have been 10 sobbing in the lobby afterwards just sobbing and his dad was trying to comfort him and his dad had on a captain america t-shirt i was like see again it's generational and it's you know uh, i don't know why the kid was sobbing he might have stubbed his toe not a spoiler uh (laughs) spoilers brian there's i'm not giving out any spoilers i'm i'm being very good about giving out spoilers now roger you're a comic book guy but you're more a dc guy is that correct? oh no 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 i got started with uh so i got started with marvel very early on, uh, but um, did you go and see uh, any of the movies? Oh yeah, I uh, have you I've seen, seen all of them. I've seen all of them, but except for Endgame, no, oh. and, or and Captain Marvel. Haven't seen it yet because 
Go see, uh, as we see may Captain have, Marvel first. I know. Yeah, I got to. It's coming out actually on Prime yes. at the end of the month. Right. So I'm going to see that, and then I'll wait around for Endgame to come on. I know I'd love to see it on the big screen, but we've talked about before about how much I just hate the theater-going experience now. <laughs> yes. I just really do. I, I, I can't stand it. I'm with you. Um, Why do you think I went, waited three weeks and went at 10 a.m. on a Sunday? Wow. Do well, even that, us? even that, I wouldn't do it. Because I, I don't know why. I just, we won't go into it because I need to see a therapist about it. Um, <laughs> seriously. Boy, Cody's uh, the only, uh, I guess the... the Cody's the only one on this uh, show who's well balanced. Oh, but, it's but see, seven he's o'clock opening night. He's Did way really younger than you? us, he way so younger. he's okay with that theater going experience. But when you go to, for example, an R-rated movie because of language or violence or whatever, sexual content. No, not sexual content, but it's got an R rating. <laughs> well, but you go with your you wife. You go with your wife to an 11 p.m viewing and there's a family with four uh kids there all under the age of five and you're going i can't watch this movie so well, um, are they bothering you or you're just uncomfortable because they're i'm in very the, uncomfortable the with them being in an r-rated movie at 11 o'clock at night when they should be home well, what are you doing out that late you, you're always in bed i will right, talk more I'm older about than this. five we'll talk more about six, this seven. after we gotta we gotta take a break stop talking roger we, uh, we got to take a break. We'll talk more about this. And if there was a movie or a series of movies or TVs that affected you the way that Endgame affected me, I'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. More on the other side. It's WGN. Uh, let's talk a couple minutes, Cody, because I know this uh, this bothered you immensely. Uh, and we only have a few minutes to talk about it, but uh, it seems fitting that this would be a subject that we can only talk about for a moment. Uber unveiled a new feature this week. The Uber Quiet Ride. So you, if you request an Uber, you can put in different things. You get, oh, do you need some help with your luggage? Yeah, you put that in. Is it going to take you a couple more minutes to get to your pickup location? Put that in. Oh, the driver will know. You know what else? The driver will know if you have no desire to talk to he or her, him or her. Uh, it's a quiet feature, so you can request that the driver not speak to you. Uh, as you can imagine, this... New policy or new feature has garnered a lot of, oh, man, a lot of people uh, against it. Some people for it. Surpri- and see, I don't take Uber or Lyft enough to be uh, to understand some of this. Well, I understand it because I don't really like to talk either. But I find that when I get into an Uber Lyft, I am usually the one who will initiate conversation. One, because I'm gregarious as hell. Two, I also feel weird sitting in a car with another human being and not uttering a word, unless I'm in some sort of blood feud with them, at which point it makes sense not to talk. But I'll usually make a little small talk with the driver. Hey, how's it, you know, how's it going? Uh, you've been out long today. Uh, you know, something like that. And then maybe I'll talk to you. The only time I've taken it is with my wife or uh, one time coming back from Fobab when I fell asleep. But that was for other reasons. But the people who seem to be the most for this are women. Ladies seem to think this is a really good feature because in their one tweet in particular said most women, and I don't know if that's accurate, but that women have been bothered by drivers taking a conversation from friendly small talk into very uncomfortable realms. So, okay. That part I get. There were also people who were deaf or hard of hearing 
that say it's it's very hard to you know you can't you can't read somebody's lips from the back of their head. Okay, but again, now you're that's probably a very small segment of the Uber and Lyft population. But they're you know they're entitled to their opinion. I think it's rude. I think I think there's a way to get into a vehicle, and if if something is going on, you say to the driver, "Listen, I." I'm not having a great day. I really would rather not talk. But at least then you've communicated something with them. And you can say it in a way that that is friendly. You can say it in a way that is not offensive. But you can also say it in a way that's firm so that they know, okay, I'm just going to drive. You know? And for the I drove for a very short time. And I would I would always wait. If the passenger initiated conversation, then I'd have conversation. If not, I'd sit there quietly. You take it a lot more than I do. What do you uh, What do you think? I Uber all the time. I know. And uh, I hadn't considered the woman angle because I'm a man, so I don't have to deal with harassment on that level. But I think that anyone that uses this feature that has the ability to communicate like a human being and is choosing not to, uh, I have very... I, don't have a high opinion of a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to talk. There's people who say, "Well, I'm anxious about talking with other people." But you're getting into a stranger's car. You're communicating like a human being. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The I, future. I, I have a lot of anxiety. Well, you, uh, no. See, here's no. The thing. If you have no. anxiety, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> the the argument then becomes: If you are that anxious to interact with other people, how do you get into a stranger's vehicle to go anywhere? Yeah. No. No. And I'm not saying that. Listen, before you start sending me horrible, horrible letters. I understand anxiety is a real thing, but it's also, you know, you gotta, you have to interact with people at some point. Literally ask them not to talk. Say, hey, I gotta do some work on my phone. I gotta catch up on emails. This is human communication. Right. This is a thing people should be good at. But you know who not. takes, you know who takes a lot of ride shares? Millennials. You, you know who gets a lot of flack for not being socially savvy? Millennials, Millennials, like my neighbors that won't introduce themselves or make eye contact with me or my wife because they're so socially awkward. That's this why is you not hear, helping. You hear from offices that people people can't talk on the phone. Everything has to be text or email because they cannot interact. And yes, you know what? Interacting with strangers can sometimes be scary. And I am not discounting women who have been the victim of some sort of uh, horrible ride with people. That's why I'm so surprised that, you know, that this has taken off as much as it has. But when that happens, it costs them their job. You you literally report them, and it costs them their job. If you get below a certain threshold in these rideshare companies, you can't drive for them. Right. So it's not like, I don't know. I think think it's asinine. I think that it treats drivers like the help. Well, I that, think but that it that's, demeans but let's them. Let's be honest. That's just one more step toward how they've been treated up to this point. Well, to be honest, the, the drivers, be... the drivers are treated like these are, and you get a lot of people who treat that they can't afford like a limo to come get them, so they'll call an Uber or a Lyft, and then they, in their mind, have elevated themselves to a celebrity or VIP status that they have a private car coming to get them. When in reality, it's just somebody's Corolla who's coming up and they had to put the baby seat in the back seat. You're not that important. You can say hello to the person, you know, you get in and you don't have to just say, are you for, you know, who are you here for? And then that's the end of your conversation. You know, if, if you really don't want to talk, like you said, interact, have the common decency to say something to someone. Yeah, I take a lot of Uber pools, and the uh, the the behavior of fellow passengers is is uh, is utterly offensive to me. 
I cannot believe their complete lack of ability to communicate with human beings. They don't acknowledge if they come and sit next to, you know, you're right. sitting an inch away from a human yes. being, not at them, glance at you know, anything, you know? No. No, the, Men, women, all of it. They don't it's, need it's, to. They're very, they're, you know, everybody's worried about I hate it. kids these days. Yeah, I'm sure it's not just millennials. I'm sure there's a lot of other people doing this. All right. We got to take a break. Do we have a break? We got yes, we have a break, and then it'll be news time, and uh, then we'll go to the breweries. Why not? It's WGN. Ah, yes, it is at the breweries. The men are here. John Crullers, Jesse Valenciana. You can follow uh, John UT Chicago, Jesse Manbecue. Their their Twitter handles. They are from Revolution and Goose Island Breweries, respectively. Gentlemen, welcome. It is always a pleasure. We look forward to at the breweries every month. People calling in with their questions at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. You sharing uh, your knowledge with us. All right. I was very excited to go to the kickoff event for Illinois Craft Beer Week, which was last Friday. Uh, the week has ended. Jesse, I heard, missed the entire thing. I did. That was very sad. But Goose, I was very Goose sad. did not, because Goose always is involved in that. I saw yeah. the uh, your compatriots at uh, Beer Under Glass. I saw John at Beer Under Glass. Had mm-hmm. a nice conversation. Um, how how important is this week? I mean, Goose and Revolution have been around for a long time. You guys are established. How important is a week like this for the smaller breweries, the the newer guys who are just coming along, or a brewery that's been around for a couple of years, but they're still finding their footing? So it, it's great just to get all the most passionate beer fans in the same place, especially a place as cool as Garfield Park Conservatory. I mean, most of these beer fests you go to, you know, it's like a conference center or, you know, a bunch of tents in the middle of a field. This yeah. is like a, a cool place that has its own geography to it. So it's kind of fun. You know, you're not just drunk, you're drunk. And then there's also like, hey, look, that's a really cool plant. That's That's not, that's not uh, native to this climate. I can learn about these flowers. And it is nice to, to, you know, have a couple beers and then sit down and go, I need a rest. And then you're looking at a huge bed of tulips or some other gorgeous foliage. Yeah. And they say, sir, get out of the tulips. And you're like, oh, sorry, sorry. I was just (laughs) peeing. Maybe you should have more porta potties. I just said that to John. That was my only, uh, that was the only downfall. So, what did Goose? What did Goose do for? I know you weren't here as part of it, but what? Uh, what did you guys do for Beer we, Week? Um, I know that they did a few various events, but our our big event is the dodgeball tournament. Oh, that was on a Saturday. We were going to do it on Sunday, but apparently moms would get mad if we. Why you won't let them play? Took their day away. We can let moms play. I don't want any broken <laughs> hips, though. That's a lot of wow liability. <laughs> so they all the moms are that it was that was uh, you could go to Jess Manbecue. Jesse Manbecue. <laughs> I love you, mom. <laughs> So you guys do the dodgeball tournament it's yeah. be- between breweries? Yeah, so it's 36 different breweries um, going head-to-head for... It's this, like, you know, childhood... Bragging rights. Yeah, it's it's all bragging rights. It's just so funny that you see all these big bearded dudes playing <laughs> dodgeball and just, like, you know, brewery ladies are out there just throwing these big, stupid balls around at each other. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous, but it's really fun. Well, it's nice because you could play, and then you'd be like, man, I'm in great shape. I exercised this week. <laughs> but you also <laughs> drank like 900 calories worth of beer while you threw a ball and well, that's it. played two games. So my rule is I don't drink the day of dodgeball because I do take it. I'm, I'm one of those... I'm so old. His body's those, a temple, see? It is. It is a temple. <laughs> those games matter But to like me. a temple to one of those bad pagan gods where it's all suffering and death. Well, sure. It's like it's like uh, Notre Dame now. It's got a lot of scaffolding on it, and there's plaster. And, you know, Ooh, too some, soon. Is it? <laughs> Yikes. Oh, all right. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's a fun event. Uh, it's cool. But, you know, when you play dodgeball, it's not like you could work out for dodgeball. I think you can. Somebody was like, oh, you've got to use the band's. 
but everybody when they were done bands yeah yeah you know i'm not interested in a hobby that anyone's was, trying too hard at. i was gonna say if it, a once a year a once a year dodgeball game you're gonna dedicate you know i've got to get my rotator cuff uh, just so it snaps we practice we had we held practice uh leading up to the tournament and it broke our guy's finger I mean, that wasn't planned. Uh, well, that's not it. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound at all like a fun Illinois Craft Beer Week activity. We we just all play nice that day. But, sure. you know, we had Lagunitas, Revolution. Throwing medicine uh, balls How'd you guys do? Corridor. I don't think we got out of the first round. We've mm. won it three times or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, we're pretty yeah, yeah. good. But, like, the whole Saturday thing really messed up our flow. Plus, well, <laughs> is it like having to play a day game after a night game? The ringers weren't there. That's that's a problem. The, ring, the ringers who work for us. That one day you're at the work. I'm sure, yeah, I know. We pay we pay benefits and health insurance to try to do really well in the dodgeball tournament. It's our business strategy. I knew it. You admit it. I Listen, knew it. Any little edge that you can have is good. Uh, so what revolution do? Did you have like a paintball tournament, axe throwing? What do you guys do? <laughs> we had a, what do you do that has nothing to do with beer? <laughs> like I, I hope we never get to the place where we have axes and barrel-aged beer in the same place. We had a that nice event on well. Friday called the Death Rattle, uh, and that's where we do our Imperial Stout. We had nine different variants on. We had wow. a library sale that people went absolutely nuts for. Um, we had a really good, fun Stout time, and then I went to see Endgame that night. It was a nice. real... Was Were you a, affected by it at all? I was just talking about how it emotionally uh, destroyed me. Oh, I'm just uh, an open wound emotionally regularly. I mean, and then, <laughs> you, you know, you pour both. some beer on that. It's like, oof. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot going on. Does it surprise you guys at all? And you've been you've been in the craft beer industry for a while. The, the, the broad spectrum of people who come to these festivals who are really... They're they're not just there to be seen, you know. They go because they really do love the beer. You get young people, old people, men, women. There's across the board. It's it's amazing how many people come to these things and really get involved in, you know, enjoying and trying new beers. It's awesome. the The audience has grown exponentially. You know, it, when we started getting into it, you know, it was just dudes with beards that lived in their mom's basement and traded beer out of there. Well, now it, you guys have your own places, which is nice. Yeah, but it's still traded still, beer out it's of still the, pretty I, much I, dudes with beer with beards. I was interested to see what he's going to say for the second one because he already used mom's basement on the first. <laughs> first <thing. laughs> is there like a Jesse list like things he's they traded out of the cliche <laughs> store? Wait. <laughs> I'm going to throw a hipster in there, hipster comment in there. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's great. I've been to a few beer events lately where I've kind of come back from the first kind of hour of mingling or pouring or whatever. I mean, like, hey, you know, this doesn't look like a craft beer event. Like, it's yeah. a, a much more uh, diverse, like, you know, age. I mean, like, just anything. Like, this is just like, a different group of people that I'm used to seeing. And that makes me so happy every yeah. single time. And yeah. what I liked about uh, Beer Under Glass was it, you know, a lot of some of the the different beer fest, you're getting the big national brewers that are coming in, and that's fine. But this was all Illinois people. And some, like, there was a brewery that was a few blocks from where I grew up that I didn't even know was there. And I was like, where are you guys? in uh, Rabbit Brewery in Homewood. Oh, yeah. And I was like, where are you guys? And he told me, I, go, I, I know exactly where you are. I know yeah. what building you were in. I I didn't know you were there. I had some phenomenal beers from brewers I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Like, I... Uh... Was it Whiskey Barrel or something brewing? Or Whiskey whiskey Hill? Uh, did a Goza with some salt. And, I mean, it just deepened the flavor of the rest of the beer. It was fantastic. And I was like, man, I had no idea. I didn't say this because this sounds like a, a jerk <laughs> thing to say. But I was like, hey, I didn't know you guys were around. I'm like, I just want to fill a kiddie pool with this existing. beer and just spend a, a hot August afternoon in it. We, uh, when well, I that doesn't up... sound like a jerk thing at all. It sounds a little weird, but not a jerk thing. Yeah, it's you not know, take a weird. You know John. That's true. When I, I came up to the, the desk to sign up for the, the dodgeball, you have to team sign in, 
and they had the bracket, and it was like, Goose Island You had Island to sign into your own dodgeball tournament? <laughs> yeah, in case I break a finger. I don't sue my own company. Ah. Mm. Um, but it, it was funny because I, I looked at the who we were playing, and it was Tangled Roots Brewing, and I, I, you know, I, I verbalized it. I was like, who the hell's Tangled Roots? And they were right behind me. And they got Ottawa, right? I they're think out near so. Ottawa, They're yeah. out near Ottawa because they... They have uh, exclusive taps at Starved Rock Lodge. Oh, cool. That was the first... A buddy of mine had been to their brewery, but I had them out at the lodge, and it was good stuff. Yeah, they were... it was a hot August afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't bathe in it. I they busted it. me. Like, yeah, it would have been great. American. Yeah, what'd they say to you? How, the, the guy oh, goes, look at the Goose Island I said, guy. Go, oh, who the hell are Tangle Roots? And he goes, we are. I'm like, oh, hey. He's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm with Goose Island. He's like... I'm like, ever hear of us? We're local. Sure. <laughs> who, who the hell is Awkward Collar Tug Brewing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to, what styles are, we'll, let's tell people what styles we're going to do. All we'll take styles. a quick break, and then we'll come back and do our first style. What's on tap, no pun intended, pun unbelievably Oh, this intended. is all packaged beer. We've oh, got, really? did you got some Bud Light? That's all right. Just don't tell them that. Okay, okay. It's okay. Don't bust us. Uh, we're going to start off with a Hellas Lager. Ooh. Uh, pretty straightforward, and then we're going to get really cool and nerdy. I brought some two super fresh Cool Kid beers from Brooklyn. Fresh with an F or fresh with a PH? PH. Oh, man. Funky fresh. Fresh, fresh nice. with an X. So then we're going to go from Hellas. this stuff yet. Hellas, <laughs> Hazy IPAs, and then we're going to finish off with some uh, pastry stouts. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. All right. We will get to all of that. John and Jesse are here. It is at the breweries. If you have a question for the guys, 312-981-7200. We'll start sampling and educating you after this. WGN. John Carruthers, Jesse Valenciana, or do you prefer Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers? It's uh, it's up to you. I'll let you figure out the uh, the the billing. The uh, I'm not asking you guys. You'll let you fight it out on your own. All right, so our first style of beer today is... Uh, it's a Hellas Lager. Hellas? Hellas. H-E-L-S. H-E-L-L-E-S. All right. And what makes uh, a Hellas lager different from our regular lager? Um, so I think when people think of regular lagers, you're, you're thinking of a Hellas lager. So it's oh, okay. uh, Pilsner malt, very straightforward. Um, you're, it, it's German hops, so noble hops. So you get a little bit floral, a little bit spicy. Um, like an old style? No, Aren't, I mean, like American. It's not, American yeah, I mean, this is this is a beer you could give to anyone's dad at a street festival and who drinks go, just yeah. just Bush Light or just Bud Light or just like, and they would say, "Yes, I like this beer. It's yes. cold. It's delicious. It tastes like beer. This is beer flavored beer." Yes, there's nothing. You're not getting an overwhelming hoppiness. You're not getting an overwhelming anything else. Yeah, yeah. but but to what Jesse said, it does taste German just because of the you know he uses German yeah. hops instead of what we got here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's, the, it's nice and light and crisp. Yeah, and this is the world's oldest active brewery, Weinstefen. Weinstefen. Um, I think I'm better at the German than I was at the French. Yeah, that lady, that lady <laughs> called me out and she was right. <laughs> um, oh, they don't have it on the thing anymore. But this brewery has been around. Well, okay, since 1040, it says the year wow. 1040. But I think I read about this and. What's more interesting than internet articles about beer? But I think it, <laughs> it, it, it at least has continuous operation from the 14th century. So, you know, That's this, amazing. Is, this is an old, yeah. cool beer, and they make all sorts of the classic German styles Hefeweiss and Kristallweiss. And, their Dunkel um, is. Their Dunkel is killer. And, yeah. you, I mean, this is great. This is made in Germany by like the absolute experts of the game, and you buy it at your Benny's for like $3.49 after the journey across. Not bad. It's really cool. It's, it's what German. What German brewers do at scale is so impressive to us. So this is something that would be a good entry if somebody, and we talk about these people a lot, people who are like, I 
I'm interested in trying something different, but I'm a little afraid because I've only drank the same thing my whole life. This would be a perfect entree for them. Yeah, these are, I mean, these are really tough beers to make, too. So are there really? a lot of smaller breweries won't even touch these. Yeah. Nothing to hide behind. It's you very, can't throw no, a bunch yeah. of hops or a bunch That's of true. strawberries or a bunch of whatever in it. It's very is, clear, delicious. Like I mean, it's a, just a razor's edge to make a beer like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tastes very good. And Again, it's, crisp, light. Uh, and when I think of beer, again, honestly, if someone were to say, describe, give me a beer, I'd mm-hmm. say here, this is start this off with this, beer. and we'll go from here. All right. So a good baseline beer. So uh-huh. this is this is the pinnacle, the pinnacle from the world's absolute oldest brewery. And where do we go then if we're you know want something a little closer to home? So where you go is Great Central. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Dovetail Brewing, and they're amazing. Yes. Um, great we, people. We literally great didn't beer. include theirs because we've talked about too many other beers. Yeah. They make an amazing hell it's on shelves. Get it. But it's, it's funny because every time we're like, all right, we should do like this German style, it's, it's between Dovetail or Great Central. Okay. And last time we were going to do the Hefeweizen, I was going to bring Great Central's because it's my absolute favorite uh, in the city. And I actually just had one earlier today. But um, I, I hit up Andreas... The brewmaster over there, okay. um, who's he was. It's at funny. Great Central. Yeah, Great Central. Talking to him about brewing, he goes, "You guys go to, to school, you know, and and you graduate, and then you're considered a brewmaster." He's like, "In Germany, you've got to work for whatever many years without pay." Oh, really? Well, and also, nice. brewmaster school is uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> That's how when I went to brewmaster school, <laughs> cut this guy was. off, and we didn't have shoes. <laughs> Is we it, didn't have Paws and Game Boy. <laughs> we didn't have your American Paws. Is uh, it the Great Central and Dovetail spe- like focus so much on these German style beers that they're so good at it? Well, basically, like Andreas is from Germany, right? Yeah, he's, and, he's, and Hagen well, and Bill over at Dovetail, right? And Hagen and Bill at Dovetail trained at brewing school together in Europe on okay. the classic German and Austrian styles. If I'm not mistaken, so Great Central does the contract uh, for a lot of different smaller breweries because they've got a lot of they've got big capacity over there. But they started off doing that, and then Andreas started brewing his beers, and they're amazing. He's By got... the way, can we talk about what's in this Great Central? Yeah, class? it tastes really good. This is, I mean, this this Vian stuff is like the classic, the OG. If anything, Great Central's like made it even just more pared down, like cleaner, easier yeah. drinking. This is wild. I don't want to get his. I don't want to blow up his head anymore. I mean, just like I the know, but it, like recognizably <laughs> the same style. But like, is it weird to say that I, I like the one from the new brewery better than the one that's been around since the yeah. the eleventh century? The new one's a little less effervescent, so it's it gives a little smoother feeling when you're drinking it. Like and it how how if you they know so when you when identical. you're drinking beer, the first thing you do is you look at it, and it's I mean these are identical, just how clear they are. Right, um, we will we will talk more about the Hell's Lager and. Uh, another couple styles. The guys from at the breweries are here. John and Jesse. Uh, John is at UT Chicago. Jesse is Jesse Mambicue. Follow them on Twitter. Follow them on all their social media channels. You can see Jesse throwing dodgeballs and John doing whatever it is that John does in his off time uh, when he's not talking about beer. We'll get Sinister. To all of yes, that's right. <laughs> he's a ninja. We'll do all of that and more on the other side of the news. It's WGN. We are uh, we are moving into our second. Our second style of beer for the day, Hellas Lager, was our first one, H-E-L-L-E-S, in case you were trying to spell that. And now, John is giddy. Oh, uh, I've never it. seen you. You're always enthusiastic. You're always well-prepared, as Jesse is. But you are downright giddy about this next style of beer, and not for the reasons I would have thought. Oh, I just enjoy So, Hellas, the classic, yes. crystal clear, razor's edge, 
what we're bringing next, all those brewers who make those delicious house, <laughs> they hate this style so much. They hate it with a visceral, like, teeth-grinding wow. passion. A lot, well, a lot of them are coming around. It's, it's funny because I've actually met a handful of brewers that hate it, but they make it because they're like, you know how fast, right. how long this stuff like lasts money. in the tap room? Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't. So, yeah. It pulls, I mean, and I, I don't really, I'm kind of agnostic on the, the, the ethical stance of each beer. I, I like this because people are excited about it. And what is this style? Hazy IPA. So it's yeah. a New England, they call it New England IPA in some places because a lot of the breweries that originated this, um, you know, were from the New England area, Trillium, Treehouse. Yeah. Um, Trillium was like, they were the darlings for a while mm -hmm. for, you know, uh, for really pushing the style. But the idea is very few hops in the bittering stage of brewing way too many hops in the flavor and the and the uh, aroma stage so what you do is you get all these fruity like apricotty papaya mango flavors with absolutely none of that bitterness that you have in ipa especially if you're one of those people who are like i don't like ipas you might like this ipa because it's all sweet and no heat it's what not really it heat but I, that did rhyme uh well it's all those hops so those got added in on the cold side um after uh, the boils happen and everything so it seeps out all those good fruit uh, you know, sometimes herbaceous flavors, and it also hangs out in there. There's a lot of extra protein. When the yeast uh, is still kind of active and the hops go in, uh, which is what happens when you try to brew a beer this hoppy, there's a process called biotransformation that pulls a lot of fruit flavor out of the yeast uh, via the hops and the hop oil. And so you've got a lot of yeast, you've got a lot of hop, and it just, you can't see through it anymore. And you don't even need... You don't even need it to look hazy to pull out these flavors, but the people who really like this style look at it and they kind of expect a haze. So now you kind of add the haze back in. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't yeah. have to be hazy. It's cool. It's like and the most was... marketing-centric beer ever. And as a communications guy, like I'm very excited about this. <laughs> they're throwing, um, you know, they're throwing oats in the in the mash bill, mm -hmm. and then they're oats also throwing wheat. lactose, which is normally when you add lactose sugar. Um, it's for stouts, and now they're throwing them in, yeah. in these so, beers. So lactose is a milk sugar that is not, the yeast cannot eat it, so it so sticks It's not fermentable. There. Yeah, it's not fermentable. It stays in there. It brings some sweetness. It brings some body. Um, it's thicker kind of in your mouth when you're drinking it. Uh, it's yeah, just, it does but, have a thicker flavor. It doesn't, yeah. you're right, the, the thing that I'm not a huge fan of a lot of IPAs is its overly hoppiness. This does not have that, but it has... There's still the slight hoppiness of an IPA, but there is that thicker, more viscous is probably the wrong word. No, viscous makes, is right. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's. Well, so like you know, and and being that it's New England style, when you look at West Coast IPAs, those were the big like bitter. They punch your yes. your palate Pine, with resin. hops. Yeah, very piney, very dank. resiny, dank, bro. Dank. But uh, <laughs> so people were kind of like, I really like the aroma of these, but I don't like being bogged down by all these like this overly hoppiness. And these kind of beers came around, and it's like you smell it, you're like, oh man, this is gonna kill me. But then you taste it, and there's like sweetness, and it's like a, a fruit bouquet. Yeah, but what's bonkers is like you think that these things are easy drinking and like whatever. No, but like those West Coast IPAs are like seven percent. These fruity IPAs are like eight, eight and a half, ten percent. Like these will mess you up real hard. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. People look at some stouts and they think those are really high, and some maybe six. Five, six. I mean, Guinness is we four or three, Guinness. and people are yeah. always like, oh, I can't believe you drink a heavy beer. Right. But this is almost, this is double that? Yeah, this yeah, is. These are big. Let me see. So, right, so tell, the one tell we us have, again which ones you've got. Which so, is the, the 
one by which all others should be measured. So we we picked the the reigning uh, Great American Beer Festival gold, gold medalist, medal Leju wow. from Chicago, not New England. Northwest uh, Side Boys. Yep, Alarmist Brewing on Peterson Avenue. Uh, they have they have put the ABV in a place where I'm having a tough time finding <laughs> it. But maybe I, they don't want you to know. Now Secrets. they know. Fourteen. Um, yeah, fourteen percent. No, but this is the gold medal one. This was like this was the big surprise right. at last year's Great American Beer Festival. It was like they won the gold. Another Chicago brewery won the bronze. Eris and... won won a, a medal. They, I think they won bronze, right? But it was it was Midwest it was breweries that won. Really, the, the one New England IPA. Category. And there was ironically no New England breweries that submitted. Well, and it was great. You looked on Twitter, and all these New England people were like, "Whatever, we don't care about the Great American Beer Festival." <laughs> And then really? Jesse was like, John, you're using that voice a lot tonight to talk about people. And John's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, this is this is cool. Like, Alarmist is a small operation, you know, started as a labor yeah. of love. Yeah. Like, they're still up and coming, and they're really great guys. They're how, awesome how guys. How much I love will supporting something them. like that, will, uh, how much will winning a gold at the Great American Beer Festival, how much will that benefit a small brewery like this? It, so these guys, we were actually going to do Hazy's before, um, and I remember... Yeah, on this show, yeah. Yeah. I went, I went to Benny's, and it was all sold out. Yeah. Nice. And they, they looked at me because I was like, hey, do you guys have uh, Le Joux? And they're kind of like, no. Like, what, <laughs> what do you expect, you idiot? I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah, and I then know. I like reached out to the guys. I was like, hey, do you guys – I can't go to the brewery right now, but is there anywhere yeah. you know, where I can and buy I it? And some. You just really couldn't because it was – Wow. This was right after the win, and you used to be able to find it like pretty easily. Like, yeah. yeah who knows, like short term versus long term on stuff. This will change your brewery's operations overnight okay. because, like, this is what you're known for. This yeah, is... with with Goose Island, like our our IPA has won six um, medals at GABF. Isn't this about somebody else? It is. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know, if you look at from a marketing standpoint, I also wonder that, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> they pay my bills. Uh, <laughs> Six percent. I almost said I got to buy diapers. I don't have kids. Oh, six percent alcohol yeah. on the Lejeune. Yeah. Um, All right. So. But yeah, I mean th that we—that so was part of our saw, marketing yeah, when push. You see those, oh yeah, so you're you know—that's that's something you use it when you lead with, "Hey, oh, this sure. is a six-time medal winner." People go, "Oh, okay." And even and like, even if they don't even, know, they're going to go, "It must be good then." Yeah, I got to drink it. It won six times. Even you know, like we we've been around for a while at Revolution too, and um, we won a, just even a, just a bronze at, at GABF for our barley wine, and the barley wine release this year was nuts. I yeah. mean, people I mean, go crazy. That barley one's—it's it's a damn good barley wine. Uh, but it's funny because. Now that opens a, it up, you've already been seven of... second dumped for saying that word. <laughs> darn. No, uh, yeah. gosh darn good barley wine. You know, on the West Holy Coast, cow, that's a fantastic piece of beer. <laughs> there's, there's, there's guys where you, you can't even get Revolution, and these guys are finding ways to get it. Like they're, they're trading for it. They're, um, you know, buying it off of these weirdos on Craigslist. But <laughs> the fact is. Wow. You know, the it's... weirdos on Craigslist are going to be become... again. That's Jesse Manbecue <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> In search of this beer, or possibly to get machete murdered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my address is. But yeah, so the the point is, you know, it it does it matter does if you have something like that. If right. you can say you've won a medal at GABF. I mean, right. and, and in this case, it's like this hardworking local brewery who are yeah, great no, guys and terrific. like. I don't know anyone who who saw Alarmist win and, and was like, oh, those guys. But like, they <laughs> they deserve all the glory. I mean, they're for them. super great guys. And they can use, they can put this, this is a great yeah, radio, a but nice, they, they can put the, the GABF nice, gold medal on it right for, on I can. think it's one year after. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And so they're, so they're the gold, they're the one that we're going to uh, judge the New England or Hazy IPAs by. And what was the other one that you brought in? Uh, I brought the O-Dream. It's from Other Half. They're... 
They don't distribute. They're local Brooklyn only. Um, okay. And I was there yesterday, and the, the place was just packed. Really? I mean, you, you could not move. It, and every time I've been to that brewery, it's been super packed. And they make amazing beers. Um, when John and I joke about the Cool Kid beers, Hazy IPAs are like the Cool Kid beers. Okay. Everybody's seeking... They are the number one cool. There's a, beer, a brewery called Bearded Iris in Nashville, and all they make is hazies. I went there, really? and out of 11 taps, I think eight were hazies, and one was like a... Are you pastry stout in? and one was like a single hazy not then, a double but can you get in without a beard you can <laughs> I, you'll get judged really uh, hard <laughs> they have beards at the door you know oh, like perfect. the friars <laughs> club <laughs> sure yeah. uh no sorry, but sorry, their, 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 their slogan is cultivate diversity which is just the funniest thing in the world to me because <laughs> they only do one or style. cultivate variety whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah but you have to look like everybody else so other half now what part of, what part of brooklyn there oh i that's a good question um it's ooh, it's kind I, of I up to toward that Williamsburg area, right? It's, I'm, it, I'm trying no, no, to think. It's, it's like it's opposite of it's. Well, it's like closer to working, Williamsburg than here. Yeah, sure. But it, it, like I, I was telling you guys earlier off the air, it was it's in the middle of this like re- weird industrial area. The, the brewery itself used to be an old um, like mechanic shop. Yeah, it was like a body shop, um, and it's super out of like right. In, there's a scrapper literally a block away. The closest thing. <laughs> To it is a McDonald's. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I am I've shied away from these just because of my uh, normal aversion to IPAs, but I like this one. I like these two. Yeah, there's yeah, this, this one's fantastic. Drinkers. I mean, on the just on the nose, this other half one has got like you know stone fruit and papaya and all yeah. these like really good. It smells like a fruit salad in a glass. The, I totally get the papaya on the nose. Can you can you develop a taste for something? Because I'm finding. The more that we do this, and the more that I'm sampling beers that are a little hoppier than I was used to, my tolerance for hops seems to be growing a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm appreciating it more with certain styles of beer, dry hopped especially. May, may I? I have, yeah. I have a thing I've been boring people with at, at dinner parties and whatnot for years. <laughs> oh, you're going to bore us with it now? Great. Did you <laughs> steal your thumb? <laughs> you know, when you were at, you know, at a garage party in, in Jefferson Park and you were uh, a <laughs> teen or whatever, and you had your first old style or your first uh, Miller High Life or something, and you're like, oh, my God, this is beer? Beer is poison. How does anyone drink this? But eventually sure. you got to the point where you're like, oh, man, I sure could go for a beer on a hot day. I'm telling you, it is the same thing uh-huh. for beer to, you know, like these kind of challenging beers. It's it's just, you know, a little bit of time and yeah. space to kind of figure out what you like and how you like them, and it, it's the same deal. I think knowledge, too, you know, like you, you start learning more about beers. You start building a vocabulary, and, and now instead of just like, I don't know, I get bitter, like you could start saying, I get this kind of bitter, bitterness, right. you know, and, and, you know, like John and I saying, you get papaya. Before, it was probably like, oh, I taste something fruity, mm-hmm. but now you can like really get in there and say this is more pineapple and this is more citrusy like yeah. you get not you get just used orange to it. but you're getting like you know like this is more tangerine or this is a blood orange you know so jesse and i were not born this insufferable we had to work at it That's yeah right. well listen it, it's <laughs> it's like with anything that people get really into soon you get to a point where people are like i'm so tired of hearing about this can i just sit down and drink sure you can and you can drink any of these styles and not have to dissect the the nose and the forward palate and all yeah you can absolutely. just go i like this beer why? Do do neither as we great. say, do neither as we say, nor we do. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break because then we must come back for uh, a beer that sounds like I'm going to have some sort of cupcake or a pastry. Yeah. It's a real cruller in a glass. Yes, it sounds delicious. Pastry stouts next on at the breweries at 7:20 WG WGN. This is at the breweries. We have covered Hell's Lager. 
H-E-L-L-E-S lager. We have covered the hazy IPA, or do you call it the New England IPA? And now we are moving back into my wheelhouse, the dark, the scary, the always delicious stouts, but not just any kind of stouts. When you started with dark and scary, I thought, and you were looking at me, I'm like, come on, man, I'm not that scary. No, come on. <laughs> and you're not that Everything is fine. We're all lovely here. So we have what kind of stout? Pastry stouts. Woohoo! And, that, and that's not a, it's not like a BJCP, uh, it's not like an official style. Um, well, like Hazy's now our, but. Uh, Hazy's are an official style, yeah. Yeah. Now this is just kind of what we call the big stupid, and stupid in an affectionate way, uh, <laughs> the big stupid, like, let's throw a bunch of flavor in the barrels, barrel-aged stouts. Okay, these so are like these the are barrel-aged. Yeah. Yeah, these are. This is dessert. These are, Three fourths of the way to be in a glass of wine. Yeah, these are not for the uh, these are not for the meek. These are no, not for the I, uninitiated. I mean, it'll make you less meek, so maybe. Oh, well, sure. Now, what uh, for? Now, these these stouts are not like a Guinness, which you mentioned was about four percent alcohol, four and a half. What is a, what is a big, ooh, a big pastry stout? These are over ten. They they tend to be over ten. So uh, I know the other half one that I brought. It's a collab with other half in Equilibrium, and that's fifteen. Is that right at it? <laughs> wow, fifteen percent. There's no yeah, but please. Just a uh, see. This is why I get in trouble when I go to these fests because I oh it's only three ounces. Yeah, well you have three ounces of two of these, and it's like drinking a case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm finished. Tread carefully, my a friend. A case and a cake. Yes. Well, yeah, these are not. Uh, if you're if you're watching your girlish figure, Brian, I, I swear to you, I your listeners this. can smell this other half beer through the radio. It is. I have almost no sense of smell, and I can smell this beer. <laughs> I think it my is, I think my own delicious. great great grandchildren can smell this beer through time and space. <laughs> my unborn grandchildren are smelling this yeah. beer. This is a beer that pierces the veil with aroma. <laughs> and what? All right, so I'll the, let you guys have at it. These beers are these beers are obviously meant for. To be by themselves after a dinner, or you're smoking a fine cigar, you're sitting on a veranda somewhere, drinking these out of a sniffer. Would because these are the kind? I would agree, but I'm college big, me would probably just pound this and then have like an egg salad sandwich and wonder why you felt bad. I don't know how college. <laughs> I don't know how anybody diabetes. college age or not could pound I, one of I'm these. I'm so glad we didn't have these <laughs> yeah, beers when I, I was in college. <laughs> yeah, you you sit around with your your friends in a snifter and you complain about craft beer world drama. You yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what the this length is for. of your beard, the itchiness of your neck cap, <laughs> the the dullness of your tattoo artist needle, all of the things that go with the craft beer culture. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's, that's, that is anymore. exactly it. They so don't make our, flannels like they used to. They say before we scare people away from. Oh, no, they don't. You can get a thin flannel at the Walmart for five dollars. That's True. not a big Patagonia flannel. <laughs> uh, what? So what? What makes these stouts different from? Uh, you know, a nice, manageable four and a half percent stout. The well, the the adjuncts. You know, the barrel there's. Um, I, I, I did it also. Also, it started oh. as Russian imperial stouts. Yes. They used to brew yes. stronger stouts for the imperial England. Used to brew stronger stouts for the um, imperial court of Russia because the higher the alcohol, the more it will survive in like a wood oh. barrel or something. Mm -hmm. okay. It won't get infected. So the idea is they brew these bigger stouts more flavorful stouts for Russia, and then everyone figured out, oh, man, you could just have a bigger stout to start with, so and like we got this sandbox collusion. to play in. Is this what you're telling no me? No collusion. There was collusion. <laughs> right? So so these these will last. Yes, these but Jesse's yeah, right. These, these have aromatic, flavorful adjuncts in them that, like, get, uh, alcohol will pull out flavors of things like coffee and vanilla mm -hmm. and, 
you know, any flavor, any food with a, like an aromatic component, alcohol will take that. Yeah. That's how you make the essence of anything okay. is you soak it in alcohol. Right. Like vanilla extract is vanilla mm -hmm. soaked in alcohol. Mm -hmm. Which is why I drink bottles of it every day. Uh, <laughs> so are there are there some adjuncts that go better? I mean, there's a lot of coffee stouts. Coffee seems to go well. Chocolate seems to go well with these. Uh, Goose did an orange, an orange chocolate one. Ooh. There's vanilla yeah. goes... Vanilla goes well, it seems. Vanilla seems to be like, that's like the hottest thing. Whenever yeah. you do a, a, a big stout like that with vanilla, you know, in, in the history of Goose, we've done Bourbon County Stout, three different vanilla variants, and they're always the most sought after. Yeah. Um, yeah, what but, was the vanilla one this year? It was really good. The, yeah, so 2018, we came back and did vanilla. Um, it was crazy. I, I love... I love vanilla and chocolate, and a lot of times with these beers, you get those chocolate notes or those coffee notes, and it's there's not even coffee or chocolate added. Right, there, it's just it's, the roasted. It's yeah. from the ro yeah, the roast mm -hmm. and yeah. and the barrel uh, wood has vanillin in it, yeah. so it's kind of you know you throw a bunch of vanilla in there, you're basically amplifying what's already there in a barrel aged beer, which is why it, it kind of works so well. Yeah, because you know like vanilla, people hate vanilla ice cream. It's people not like people it. naturally like vanilla; it just works so well with a good barrel aged yeah. beer. Yeah, it just yeah. happens. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We got to take a quick break. We're gonna say hello to Karen Conti. We are gonna finish the pastry stouts uh, for a couple minutes on Facebook Live after we throw to the news. So. John and Jesse are here. We are going to go to Facebook Live after 7 o'clock. We'll, we'll finish up our uh, pastry stout segment. We're going to do this and then say hello to Karen Conti and see what's on her big program. We'll do all of that and so much more. WGN. All right. John is trying to uh, find out what Karen Conti has on her program. So, John, would you like, do you have a question? Hi, Karen. Hi, Brian. Do you have a question for Karen, John? Yeah. Karen, why is Brian like this? <laughs> It's a long story. It's a long seven-year story. A long, long story. Yes. No, John was wondering, what are you talking about on your show, Karen? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, two things. One's, you know, this horrible story about this poor woman who was murdered and her baby was taken from her. I mean, uh, people oh. are saying, how can this happen? What's the psychology behind it? And we have an expert who actually has dealt with these issues and is going to talk about some of the cases in the past that have the same kind of facts. And what kind of person does this? Is it a narcissist? Is this an antisocial personality? Is this person really insane? Well, I mean, for the layman, yes, they they have to be insane because she faked a pregnancy up to this point. She lures a, a young girl to her house and then kills her. And but this how is do not you, how the, do you not think the, that this person is insane? This is not the first time this has happened. No, I either. know. And we had one back about twenty five years ago in Chicago. People are still but, in prison for it. Yeah, but there's there's sort of a, a pattern to this, and uh, there's a certain explanation for it. And he's going to get into the details of that. And then we have uh, Steve Bonner, who was the president of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Very and nice. he's going to talk about healthcare in general, what you can do to be safe in the, your hospital, what are the trends in insurance, and what are the trends in hospitals, and how things are going to be changing. And it's a very, very interesting topic. Yeah, because everybody, you know, you get sick, and obviously your first thought is, am I going to get better? But very close second is, is insurance going to cover it? How well, how am I going to be treated? What's going to exactly. happen to me once I'm in? How do you I'm navigate that system? What what are the changes that are going to have to happen because people are not satisfied with the way they're being treated by hospitals and doctors? No, it's very it, it's very impersonal. It's, yes, it's very you uh, wait. bureaucratic. You you wait, and if you do get to see a doctor, it's it's not like. And now I sound like I'm a hundred years old. But back when your doctor would spend time with you and actually knew you and didn't just pop in for three minutes and go, okay, I'm writing an order. Now you have to go see another doctor and get a test. Then you go to another doctor and you don't have one person who is overseeing your entire health care. That's absolutely true, especially if you have a serious problem. You might have five or diff different specialties right. that need to be there in order to make sure that holistically you're okay. And how do you know that all those 
moving parts are communicating to make sure that exactly. the, the the main focus, which is getting you better, is being taken well, care Steve of. Well, Steve Botter's going to tell us all about that. I can't wait. John, any more questions for Karen? Anything else? No, but thank well, how you. How about who's going to be on the throne? How about that question? That is going, a huge question. Let's, uh, can I, I didn't I watch I'm going there week. from here. I say it's the dragon. The dragon takes the throne? <laughs> yes. My opinion, wow. the real winner of Game of Thrones is the tourism board of Northern Ireland. That's where they show. Sorry, that died. Wow, that's wow. where they should. Whoa. Never mind. See, this <laughs> is why I, I shouldn't Can have these interstitials. Please, no, no. It's better We're, for everybody. No, we leave it on because this is it, it's a learning opportunity, Jesse. This is a teachable moment. Well, how the listeners learn to turn off their radio. Well, probably. No, no also, I'm just kidding. Also, how it is not. Uh, you know, Final prediction: Captain Picard lands on the planet. Turns out, a Star Trek Next Generation universe. So Ooh. Karen thinks it's a dragon. I think John finally mans up. Ah, I didn't watch it last week, Because guys, Danny we... just is too much of a power freak. She lost freak. her mind. She lost her mind. But we knew it was coming. All right, well, but we... she's got that dragon. Are you? Yeah, but somebody she's could take... Maybe Bran takes that dragon out. Finally. Jesse's la-la-lying with his hands over his ears. Maybe Bran's eyes roll back in his head. The dragon... That's it. Wow. Yeah. And the dragon could have a, have a little baby dragon, too. So there could be more dragons. Oh, I hope there's more dragons. I hope there's more dragons. I love the dragons. <laughs> Is it wrong? Is it wrong that I like a dragon <laughs> incinerating everybody in its path? That was real. If I had one, I'd walk around with it uh, like a balloon on a string, and it would <laughs> it'd always be with me. So you wouldn't have piped up. Nobody. <laughs> everybody would have kept their mouths shut. And it would it would have uh, the term, you're fired, have a whole new meaning. Exactly. <laughs> with that, we will say we'll be listening to you after okay, 7. thank you. We're going on Facebook Live for a couple minutes, uh, mostly while Karen's in the news, so you can listen to Karen's show and all her interesting things. Thanks to uh, John and Jesse for being here at, at the breweries, as always. Remember, we'll uh, finish up our uh, pastry stouts on the other side. Uh, thanks, Cody. It is time to go. Do we have a break, Cody? No, we did the break. Now we go to the news. Game of Thrones after dark with Roe and Roper and Lapka. You can hear it live right after the series finale tonight at 10 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio on Tune In. It is time for the news. Uh, a little late, but who's watching the clock anyway? The news is sponsored by Design First Builders, the one guy who was watching the clock telling me to move it along Roger Badish. Happy Hi, welcome to Facebook Live. It's the Brian Noonan Show. We are continuing at the breweries with John Carruthers and Jesse Valenciana. Jesse Valenciana from Goose Island Brewery. John Carruthers from Revolution Brewing. Uh, GooseIsland.com, Rev.com, Jesse Mambecu on Twitter, UT Chicago on Twitter. Uh, so there you go. Those are the guys. Uh, and as always, our Facebook Live attempts have met with unheralded technical difficulties, but we are on and we are ready to go. So... At the end of the on-air broadcast, we were talking about pastry stouts, which, yes, are as rich and heavy as you would imagine from the name. Uh, we tried one, which was delicious. Remind us again which was our first uh, pastry stout that John chugged, despite it's like uh, 12, 12%, uh, 12% alcohol content. Um, so the first one was from Other Half in Brooklyn. It's a collab beer that they, they made with uh, Equilibrium. It's called Hello, Gentlemen, and Will. So it's an imperial stout with cocoa nibs, marcona almonds, Tahitian vanilla, and caramel. Ooh, give me just a tiny, just a tiny yeah, bit more a of bump. that one. Just a hair more, because this is, thank you, oh, this plenty, is, plenty. It tastes like breakfast. It's it does. Good. It tastes like breakfast if you were having breakfast at a delicious bakery. Yeah. Which included a nice chocolate donut. It's, the, you the, the vanilla on this is, is amazing, the, the Chocolate's awesome. I just um, get so, like there's so much everything in this. This yeah. is a crazy, just crazy flavorful beer. And this is the epitome of a, of a pastry stout. It, this is something you could see at a bakery. You know, to your so point. So when we talk about 
and we talked about this a lot with Goose and, and with others, with a bourbon barrel-aged stout, what sets this, because you said these were in barrels as well. Um, I don't know if these were. So Okay, so pastry stouts do the, not have to be aged no, in No, no, no. So Most of them in, are. Okay. But well, they don't necessarily have to be. You can put out an imperial stout like Old Rasputin. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the kind of baseline imperial stout. Okay. Um, that's like, it's an old beer, but... You don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be in, in bourbon barrels. Okay. Uh, when we started barrel aging beers, um, you were putting an imperial stout in these barrels. Okay. And uh, the the base beer uh, that we were putting in these barrels was made so you can get the flavors from that barrel. So you're really showcasing the vessel that it's being. So you need you need that barrel to complete the recipe for the beer, right? You're you are not necessarily, but it brings in all these like all these. You know, like you can draw a stick figure of a person, and someone can recognize it as a person. Okay. But like, if you have all this beautiful shading, it's really the difference between like a caricature at Six Flags and like a yeah. Bob Ross painting. Okay, it's like the barrel and the elevated alcohol content and the time it takes to extract uh, flavor from the wood really just shades in all those things that, like, okay. you know, really it seems incomplete without it after you've had it. So you know, being that we're in Chicago, we get very extreme temperatures, very cold and very, very hot. So that, that wood is, it's breathing, right? So mm-hmm. when it gets super hot, it expands. When it gets super cold, it contracts. So almost think of it as like a sponge okay. with these flavors in that wood. So what John was talking, alluding to, or you were talking about actually earlier, the vanillins that you get in that wood, that's all being imparted into the flavor of that imperial stout. So when you get when you get one like this that uh, was not aged in a bourbon <clears throat> barrel, and you still get some of those woody notes and that that same sort of flavor, much less than with the bourbon, what what is it? What's giving it that flavor? What's giving this the not only the chocolate and the vanilla and stuff, but those the, the little uh, more whiskey underlying. Well, it's tones. just a boozy beer, first of all. So like okay. the, it's going to be hot. On its own, because yeah. it's, this one is at what six fifteen percent, ninety nineteen percent. Woo! So it's already like 20, 28 percent. No, I will have four things up now. It's thirty six percent. Pour me a tall one. Fifty five percent alcohol. The, this is you the guys, ever clear of beers. You, this want, is you want to see me go blind? It is Maker's Mark with a handful of barley. If I were moonshining beer, it and would some, be it would Lucky be Charms marshmallows. <laughs> but so so you're getting the the booziness from you know the ABV of this beer is so high. Um, the roastiness from the malts that make it the imperial, um, the Russian imperial stuff that it is, and then they blend it with all these other flavors, and they add the vanilla, the, um, you know, I don't know exactly how they added the, if, if they dry hopped it with like the cacao nibs or the marcona, which means they would put it like in a, like a mesh sack and, okay, the, all, the almonds, yeah. yeah, but like this, this to me speaks to a very confident brewer who knows what the barrel does, you know, those yeah. vanilla flavors, slightly caramel coffee, toffee. And managed to replicate it without the barrel. Like, yeah. That is super cool and like 10 times harder I was gonna than say, just this... throwing something real big in a barrel and seeing like what happens. Yeah. Is this a beer that could go bad easy? You know, if you're trying to if you're trying to create this, is it, is it some a harder bad style? Beers. Is it, if you go under 10%, an infection can happen easily. If you go over 10%, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But I will say the shelves and the breweries are ripe with people who thought all they had to do was put beer in a barrel and it would be okay. Like, there are plenty of bad barrel beers out there, thin or not balanced or just kind of, like, not memorable. And And this... It's it's tough. This is... uh, When you barrel-age beers, you have to have the ideal conditions for it. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, there's no real terroir when it comes to beer. But in Chicago, I feel like we kind of have an advantage because of the extreme temperatures. Yeah. You know, like imagine trying to make a really good barrel-aged beer in San Diego. Not saying that it can't be done. Uh, Ale Smith is a really great brewery. They do a really good job. But we have those ideal conditions. You know, you go to San Diego, it's like perfect weather. It doesn't really fluctuate. Well, so, and just because you have a good stout doesn't mean it's going to be a good barrel-aged stout. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. there's a exactly. local brewer, and I've said this to them, I won't mention their name, but they did one for Fobab. And I tried it, and I didn't really care for it. And I was in their tap room, and now they have it, not barrel-aged, just the stout itself. Yeah. And it was delicious. And so, I, I said that to the brewer, and he was like, I'm glad you said that because we knew that. It, it didn't lend itself to being barrel-aged. Yeah. So just because, yeah, just because you can make great burgers does not mean you're a great kimchi maker. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there are different lines to hit, like, for these different recipes. And yeah. It's, you know, like when, when craft beer and barrel-aged beer was just becoming a big thing, everyone was just throwing everything in barrels and being like, oh, everyone yeah. was like, oh, it's better because it's barrel-aged, right? Well, I think Jesse and I, between us, have had enough, like, barrel-aged beer we didn't like to be like, I don't know, you got to, like, you got to pay attention a, a little bit. There is a lot that's not good. We do, um, at, at Goose, we, we, Mike Smith, my coworker, we're on the same team, and he does this really neat education class where we talk about barrel-aged and... I handle the wild ale side, and he handles the the bourbon barrel side, uh, and we let people taste bourbon county style. We call it black dog yeah. uh, before it goes in the barrel. And I mean, it, it's a big stout. It's really chocolatey, roasty. I personally wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't think it's a great beer. Oh, okay, but it's it's made that way specifically because you're getting. We know what flavors we're right. getting from the barrel. All right, so this one from Brooklyn. Uh, say offside? No. Other side. Other other half. Other half yeah. is our baseline. Now we're going to go a little closer to home for another pastry stout, and this is from... Elk Grove Village. These are our friends from Microphone. I just had Microphone in a few this weeks is, ago. This smells like bean spirit. They're Ooh. kind of flagship. I mean, these guys are like pastry stout, you know, they're the Dukes. The pastry boys. They're the, pa- they're the pastry Dukes. <laughs> The Northwest Burbs, I mean, they they make fantastic beer. They have lines just around the block. I think one of their lines for, like, an Imperial Waffle beer, I can see it right now from the studio. It's actually forming for a beer that's going to go on sale in two weeks. That's true. This um, is so this is, But delicious. this is their Smells Like Bean yeah. Spirit. It's got those maple syrup notes, mm-hmm. those coffee notes. Yeah, there's a, a little bit of sweetness to it. This tastes like, to me, it's, it's like chocolate chip waffles with a bunch of maple syrup on it. It really does. Chunks of. I almost feel like I could just smell this and get nine tenths away. Like the 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 aromas on here are. It's it's amazing. It's for me. It's breakfast, honestly. And and maple syrup tends to bring. And again, so many flavors. um, They'll they'll take you to a place, right? Like everything is kind of contextual. It's like so. This reminds me of breakfast in like northern Wisconsin, waking up, going, and just putting. Maple syrup and on. You know what's the cool thing for me is like it doesn't even taste like pancakes. maple syrup to me. It's like those like the like the the fridge syrup, you know, the pancake yeah. syrup that yeah, I can't yeah, legally yeah. call maple syrup. Yeah. Is like what I get from this. And I mean that in like a really nice way. Yeah. But like it really like chunks in. A lot of brewers like, you know, they, they put all these descriptions on their can or on their website and they're like, it tastes like this and it tastes like this and it tastes like this. Microphone, like when they say something is going to taste like something, it tastes, it tastes like, like it. it. No, this definitely tastes like it. It is really good. But this is even higher ABV than, 
Again, I, no, I feel I, think, I, think I this one's bring, actually a little bit lower. Oh, but it, lower? It, I always it's, bring this up because people are going to go, "Oh, it's one can know, of this beer." Is just, wow, this is just eight percent. Well, that's yeah. it. This tastes huge for eight yeah. percent. It's very flavorful, and that's the thing. It, you know, if it was a little bit bigger, I think it'd be a little bit more viscous. You know, yeah. when you get into those big beers, it's almost like you're drinking motor oil. And this yeah, this, this has really nice. this has um, coffee in it, and it's just complimentary. It's not they're yeah. not trying to hit you over the head with the coffee. Compliments the maple the syrup. Beer. It compliments the stout. This is a very impressive beer. This too. is a breakfast beer. We should right. have this for breakfast. We should have this for breakfast. Do we we'll have, do a sleepover. Do we, do we have to pick? We have to do thumbs up, well, thumbs we'll, down we'll, for each we'll one? We'll go through each style because we have not done that. Uh, let's start with our Hell's Lager. Hell's Lager. I'm going to go um, thumbs up because it's true to style. Um, I actually even like it. I Remind us which one, one the, I'm sorry, the, the Great Central, I think, is it, that gets the, the thumbs up because it's it's... True to style, I, I like it even better than the Weinstefaner. Weinstefaner obviously is a thumbs up because, you know, they're they're the baseline of that beer. But uh, Great Central did an amazing job with uh, their Hellas Lager, so big thumbs up. Yeah, I was not expecting. You know, you, you brought this in, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> this is like the OG that I bought cold, and. This is, I mean, thumbs up. Great yeah. Central. This this Hellas. If you are a German beer fan, if you think you want to get into craft beer, like this is the beer. Thumbs up. Really good. Huge. Yeah. Two gigantic thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then we go to the Hazy or New England IPAs. L- local Boys Lejeune was your flagship. Lejeune. Lejeune. Um, and so other half was the the um, what I brought in, and same thing. Total thumbs up. Um. I'm, maybe I'm being a fanboy. Yeah, but what should we like better? Yeah, <laughs> you should try, try them again. again. You try one yeah. again and see. I mean, the nose on this was a lot fruitier, but that Le Joux is so balanced, too. It is. And it, they're both really great beers. Le, Le Joux won a gold medal for a reason. Yeah. I mean, that, that beer is, for that style, it's I like that John does extra research. Done. He goes the extra mile. He does. I got to say, this is a more balanced, delicious New England IPA, but the nose on this thing is unreal. Yeah. I'm giving thumbs up to Lejeu. Wow. All right. Mm. Well, you're wrong. the boys battle. the record. And then finally, (laughs) we move to the big boys, the pastry stouts. (laughs) I'm already giving a a thumbs up to this big silly guy. Just because I love the label. Just the the flavors in here. Like, this is a stupid beer. It is so... Like, this has no reason to exist. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I have no reason to to crack a bottle and get this much enjoyment out of anything in the year of our Lord 2019, and this thing is just delivering. I love our friends from Microphone. This thing is is really cool, really silly. So, for me, other half. Um, Same thing. I mean, I really like the, the Microphone. I think it's a little bit thin for me, but the flavors that they want you to taste. I'm tasting them. This one, it's a little bit more muddled, but it's big. It's robust. It is big. What's and you're crazy? getting all those flavors, and it's just... What's crazy? There's like 6% between these. So there's like an entire beer yeah. that exists in the space between <laughs> yeah, those yeah, two. Yeah. That's probably a pretty good beer, too. So <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's like, that. kudos to Microphone for... Yeah. Huge flavor. Right we, th- we thought this was like 11, yeah. 12%. Yeah. Big I ups, as the kids say to Microphone. Is that what the kids say? Big ups. The only thing that I thought, again, it was a little bit thinner, so that's what kind of gave it away from me. I'm like, all right. But other than that, the flavors, they're also very bold. 
They're very in your face. I, mean, I love is, it. This is like the prime. This is the Lowry's prime rib cart of beers <laughs> that you just pushed in here. Like it's wild. I was so excited to bring these. Are, I'm like, do, oh, man. are you moving to Brooklyn? Is this what we're seeing? A, a, a switch of a you know swap what? of allegiance? I, I'm telling you, it's been New York against Chicago since before the World's Fair. Right. And I we're am extending a hand of friendship and love. I like that because of other half. Yeah. Good for those guys. And nothing wrong with Brooklyn. They might listen. I'm. I like their pizza. These guys are making great beer, and, and making Brooklyn's great beer. making great pizza. It's we love it. Yeah. All right. So other half from Brooklyn, represent Brooklyn. You and uh, what, you get some Wu Tang Clan. You let, get a, listen to some Wu Tang. Drink some other half, and you're yeah. man. You're in. That's a perfect night. I think it is a perfect night. Yeah. Then a nice cigar or a blunt, depending on where you're. <laughs> depending on what legalities, what jurisdiction you are in. You Do can I have enjoy to work yourself. tomorrow? <laughs> Of course not. Why would anybody work after a night of a night of, of Wu Tang, <laughs> uh, other half, and blunts? All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. John Carruthers, Jesse Valenciana, Revolution Brewing, Goose Island Brewing, UT Chicago, uh, at Jesse Mambecue. That's how you find the guys. Every month we do at the breweries. We are glad you are with us. We're glad you enjoy the segment. Keep coming back. Uh, Cody, do we like and share? Do we do tell people to like and share? Of course. Like not. and subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe. Because we are. Ge- yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hit it. Oh, we have just devolved into the worst I hope the buttons where I hope the buttons where I pointed to. I don't think there's any have buttons. Button have, have some more other half, John. Have hit the button. Use buttons. the one of these that works, Cody. All right, we gotta go because John needs uh, John needs another little sip. And Jesse has got to get to the to the gym. He's <laughs> unbelievable. And and Cody needs a beer. That's the most important part. And Game of Thrones is coming on very Liquid soon. Liquid breakfast. Very so, exciting. There you go. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye.